listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. This is just an attractive and lucrative for uh, all the cyber criminals out there because they're earning up to about $1,000 per stolen medical record. Welcome to the Becoming a Pharmacy Badass podcast, where we talk about how to diversify your revenue streams, increase your net income, and optimize your operations to create the pharmacy of your dreams. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome to another edition of a monthly mastermind meeting. These meetings are deep dives into a topic to really help you dig in and help your pharmacy. We have got a very timely topic today that really isn't a pharmacy topic. It's really more of a business topic, but I think it's super important for pharmacy owners to understand. Uh, If you guys have watched the news in the last few months, you know that there's been some big disruptions with some hackers and requesting ransom money and all that kind of stuff for if they hack your data. And I have heard that happening to a pharmacy or two, uh, and it's just not where you want to be. So I actually have an old friend from many years ago from good old California days, uh, he who happens to still be there. But Devon um, is working with security and world. And so I reached out to him to find out how can we help share some information that will keep you safe your wallet safe, um, and get you through this time. So Devon, I will turn it on over to you, please. If you want to do a quick intro of yourself and then you can intro Ryan. Uh, thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Uh, my name is Devon Harden. I'm a property and casualty agent with Walter Mortensen Insurica. And I'd like to introduce our team here from Insurica that's going to be talking today about cyber, um, primarily led by Ryan Kusev, our resident cyber expert. Mr. Kusev has been with Insurica for about three years now, correct? Yes, that is correct. About three years. Um, He joined us from a a personal injury firm as a paralegal, and I'm I'm not sure how we got him over here, but we're grateful we did. And um, upon joining us, he was in the same field that I'm in currently, which is the property and casualty field. But... We needed we needed some we needed some representation in the cyber field and um, and Ryan has volunteered somewhat forcefully forcefully to become our resident cyber expert. So um, and then Julia Hester is also uh, matter of fact Julia would you mind doing your introduction? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I um, just work for specific groups in different areas to try and set up programs. I've been with Insurca for two and a half years now, and I'm kind of a, a jack of all trades. So I'm here to fill gaps if you have any extra questions. Yeah. So GU, uh, we created GU as a kind of like an in-house wholesaler uh, for Insurica, uh, and that's given us access to a bunch of different markets, uh, including cyber, obviously. So it's a huge benefit for Insurica. Now it's going to be a huge benefit, hopefully, for all of you guys uh, with this pharmacy program. Uh, you can go to the, the first slide. So yeah, let's just uh, jump into the risks in the uh, healthcare. Um, and it's because healthcare providers typically hold large amounts of highly sensitive health-related information about their patients. Their primary cyber exposure is what you've been seeing in the news is like data breaches. Um, and because a healthcare takes an average about 200 days to detect a data breach and about 90 days for containment, it's becoming a massive growing risk in the area. 
Also due to the HIPAA regulations, this also leads to notification requirements, investigation costs, fines, penalties as a result. And this is just an attractive and lucrative for uh, all the cyber criminals out there because they're earning up to about $1,000 per stolen medical record. So not only data breaches, but you're also seeing a lot of um, malware um, attacks. Um, and malware is just a malicious software that's specifically designed to cause damage to computer networks, um, which has devastating impacts on the business operations day to day with system damage. Um, also, business interruption costs come along with it. Um, and a side effect would be reputational harm to the business. Uh, recent events have shown that these cyber criminals' motives for malware attacks are predominantly going to be extort money from the business to put some money in their pocket. But sometimes they just kind of do it for the fun of it because they're just bad actors. Um, an emerging risk we're seeing uh, in this field is the funds transfer fraud because um, healthcare centers are completing wire transfers, um, usually for supplies and services to their business, or sometimes it's something to go around with the building. Uh, either way, they're doing or online banking as well. So these are often initiated with uh, simple phishing emails to fraudulently dupe um, healthcare providers into transferring money to what they believe is going into legitimate payments for supplies and services, but actually going into fraudulent bank accounts. And I was able to find a couple um, examples or case studies of both of these attacks, a so data, data attack and also a uh, malware attack. I'll get into that one on the next one. But this one is uh, happened to a medical service provider. Uh, they fell victim to a ransomware attack. It encrypted around 120 uh, workstations, about 15 servers, rendering them all useless and making all patient management records and electronic medical records stored on their network um, completely inaccessible. Uh, they went through their IT vendor and the IT vendor was actually able to wipe the ransomware from the system and rebuild their network from backups. Um, but unfortunately, they were not able to see if any of the uh, personal health information was viewed or stolen. Um, so with the ransomware completely wiped from the system, it was impossible for the forensics to analyze the attack and as well as identify the ransomware variant to establish whether or not any of these uh, personal health information was stolen or viewed. So they then had to engage in their own legal counsel, which came to the conclusion that they would in fact have to notify all 100,000 of their patients of past and present. Um, it also triggered an Office of Civil Rights Investigation, which is going to have potential reputational harm as a result. Uh, so just in the 100,000 patients in general is like over $200,000 just to notify them. And then the investigation costs on top of that were pretty extensive. So this case study actually highlights two important lessons. First, the lesson, the first lesson is that it's essential when a ransomware attack or any other cyber event occurs, um, granted that you have a policy through a cyber, a cyber policy, you should engage their cyber insurance provider uh, as soon as possible. Uh, by doing so, you have a coordinated response to the attack, um, which can be devised and any evidence that may become crucial later on can be preserved, unlike this attack. Uh, secondly, uh, placing your cyber insurance uh, with an experienced provider can make all the difference by having your own in-house incident response team with specialist knowledge of cybersecurity and forensics. They're also able to successfully prevent uh, polysource claims costs from escalating and ensure that the organi organization's reputation doesn't suffer any unnecessary harm because 
as we know, more than half of us would not return to a service provider provider if um, they were subject to a security breach. Uh, the next one, this was a uh, malware malware attack. On a larger scale, this one was done at a hospital. Uh, relatively the same though, the employees came into work, noticed all the devices and servers were no longer functioning properly. All their electronic data that held patients um, information was no longer accessible. Uh, so that means they couldn't look at their patient histories, uh, doctor's notes, allergies, and drug prescriptions. So the doctors and nurses had to now go back and ask each individual payment, patient about their uh, medical history all over again. Uh, this also created a problem with the electronic monitoring monitoring of patients um, that's, and bedside machines for dispensing medication were inoperable. So this uh, made the hospital had to bring in an, an army of uh, additional nurses to help ensure patients were being monitored effectively. And so all these manual processes and hiring of more staff caused significant delays to the service. Um, and by just mid-afternoon, the hospital was forced to call a red alert. Uh, which just basically notifies all health service providers in the area that there's going to be longer wait times at this hospital. And if they want to go to another hospital or service provider, it would probably be better. So the only way to return the hospital to the normal operation was to wipe and uh, rebuild all their servers, or servers and devices from scratch. They couldn't access their backups, so this created a longer process. One of the major complications to this actually was uh, their connection to a hosted centralized electronic health system, um, which gave them access to all their patient records and details, allowing them to exchange information with other healthcare facilities. But because of the malware attack on their system, the hospital was cut off by the service, provi service provider um, who was refusing to reconnect them until their network was declared completely clean and malware free by an independent forensic consultant. So in the meantime, this hospital had to connect to a separate cloud cloud network to access the data uh, that they needed at an additional $200,000 a day. Uh, it, it wasn't until about two months later that the hospital was able to call off their red alerts. Um, and then another month later, uh, they were finally back into normal operating procedures, um, which is a long time. So the hospital on this incurred about $2.6 million in system damage costs, which was the bulk of it was just um, hiring people to replace hard drives, servers, laptops, computers, printers, scanners, and all their software licenses. Uh, and then they lost another, I think, for, for the 4.5. Yeah, 4.5 was a business interruption, uh, primarily due to the drop-off in patients' income following the red alert. So in this case, they did have a cyber policy, but they just didn't have the right amounts or limits to um, properly cover. But a lot of it was taken care of by their cyber professionals uh, insurance. So yeah, cyber insurance is a highly cost-effective way to gain access to the support um, needed in order to both prevent and respond to cyber events. Most cyber policies come with a number of uh, proactive risk management tools like social engineering and phishing-focused employee training, which helps to reduce the amount of phishing attacks. Um, they also come with uh, dark web monitoring, uh, which scans the dark web for signs that data relating to your business has been compromised. Um, and what to do about it if it's if you need to like go in and act on it or simply just someone snooping around. But most importantly, the best part is um, when it comes to responding to these cyber events and ransomware attacks, the good cyber policies will have give you access to IT experts, forensic specialists, PR firms, and lawyers, 
often with uh, no deductible to the insured. Um, and, you know, due to social distancing, um, bank robbing is no longer a thing. It's more like cyber hacking, which is kind of my joke for the day. I hope you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, as you can see, these um, these are just based on a, like a $50 million uh, business, small business. So a lot of this money is just outrageous just to get control of a cyber hack going on. So a lot of these small small facilities don't have that just on hand to do dish out. So having a cyber policy is just a great pairing to have with your um, other insurances because it fills in the gaps that the other ones aren't providing. Uh, you can go to the next slides. So these slides are just uh, basically outlining the coverage highlights that each uh, cyber policy comes with. Uh, like I said, the incident, incident breach response is probably the best coverage that they can have. This includes all the costs that's going to come with the forensic specialists, IT, uh, PR firms, legal that you get access to. Yeah, so this is the best one, the cybercrime, uh, all the losses of funds. So like, like I said before, ransomware extortion demands, but also the funds transfer fraud. So if they are socially engineered or duped by a bad actor, they'll be, um, they have limits and protections for those as well. Uh, also personal funds. Um, also, yeah, so business interruption, this coverage. Um, so whenever, like we saw in the hospital, <clears throat> if they're down for a long period of time, they're losing income based off of no patients coming in or anything like that. They have limits to help them get them back up to uh, business operating and make sure that the least amount of business interruption is possible. And also to get their, um, what is it? Their reputation uh, not as damaged as possible. This is probably like, I think the most important one for the uh, health is where it's covering um, all the funds or fees, penalties, uh, for the lawyers and everything like that for notifying and all the investigation costs for the personal health information due to HIPAA, which is probably the best coverage that the healthcare can get. And those limits are very helpful in um, keeping the business running. Just just the uh, closing thoughts, but the, the frequency and severity of these cyber attacks um, are escalating greatly, uh, especially in the past two years. Um, and according to the FBI, there's been about 62% increase in the ransomware demands just through the first uh, six months of 2021 in the US alone, which is up from the 20% increase we saw in 2020. Also the ransomware demands as the money demanding from the ransomwares has seen a 225% increase uh, since the beginning of 2020. And according to some cybersecurity firms, these ransomware attacks are estimated to cost businesses globally around $20 billion in 2021 and predicted to reach about $265 billion, yes, with a B, uh, by 2031. Uh, the combination of high rewards and low risk for these cyber criminals means that ransomware is here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. And with businesses being penetrated multiple times per hour um, and cyber claims growing in frequency and severity, I feel like businesses can't afford not to have this coverage because every business today relies on computer systems to operate, whether it's for business business critical activities or simply just for online banking. Uh, and no matter how much a company is investing in their IT security, uh, they'll never be 100% secure because um, us as humans are still the weakest link in the uh, cybersecurity chain. Just by one employee clicking on a, a bad link uh, could take down an entire system. So the purpose of having these cyber policies is to one, respond in the event where the worst happens to get this business back up and running, um, just also with minimal disruption and financial impact to the business. 
Uh, in today's rapidly evolving market for cyber insurance coverage, uh, providing the emergency response services as well as the final financial compensation um, in the wake of all these different tap, cy types of cyber attacks is um, now just the standard. Uh, that concludes my presentation. So we'll just open it up to, if anyone has any questions, you guys can direct them towards me. I'll do my best to answer them. Yeah, I do have a couple of questions that have come in Great. now. Um, so where does somebody get training for their employees? You know, you kind of men mm -hmm. mentioned phishing. You mentioned just right now, one employee clicking on one bad link. So um, where's the best place to get like real training to help employees prevent that? You know, I, every pharmacy, just so you guys know, obviously they go through the HIPAA, you know, privacy and security and stuff, but right. some of that stuff isn't very practical or, or maybe, you know, actionable types of things in terms of, uh, preventing this kind of thing. So where do you recommend that for that? Yeah. So if they do get a cyber insurance policy, these uh, carriers have um, contracts or relationships with these um, security firms. So they get a discount or sometimes it's um, with zero deductible to the insured for the first two or three, uh, one or two times. Um, they can have the entire staff trained on like extensive phishing emails, what to look for, what not to look for, what to click on, not click on, basically just to be a uh, basic forensic IT guy and be like, okay, well, I can see that's not what I want to look for. So they, I mean, our company has, does it, I think once or twice a year that we have a cyber training. So yeah, once they have a cyber policy, they have access to all these great tools like that. They can have someone come in and teach them if they want to, or they can do like a kind of like a webinar, click on this and then teach them um, virtually as well. Um, another question is about backups. So mm -hmm. a lot of pharmacy, software systems, you know, do cloud backups. I remember back in the day, I'm, I'm old enough that I remember you used to have this backup machine and you'd put these weird looking cassette things in there and you had one for each day of the week. And um, not a lot of pharmacies have that anymore. A lot of them do cloud backups, but should you have an on-site physical like copy or can you talk a little bit about backing up the data? Cause you mentioned yeah. some systems being able to be restored from backup. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. The two examples I said, so one was able to back up their things relatively easy because they had backup stored offsite. Offsite is what they're looking for. So it's not directly tied to the network. So once that network goes down, they can still retrieve the backups from an offsite network. And that way restoring the system is much easier because you have those backups that are not tampered with and able to do it much easier. Like I said, streamline it. Um, so yeah, clouds are, They'll accept clouds as long as it's protected, protected with a VPN, because uh, that's also an offsite storage. So clouds are acceptable, just they need to have uh, proper security controls in place to um, for the carriers to be able to write them. You know, and, and you guys are obviously coming from insurance. So the question I have, you know, I'm putting on my pharmacy owner hat is, you know, I have a business protection policy, you know, kind of all this other stuff that we already have insurance for. Is this kind of stuff not normally covered in there? Or can you talk a little bit about where the gap is? Because I, you know, I would think that my business policy might cover some of these things, but you know, obviously it it may not. So can you talk just a little bit about what yeah. normal business policies cover and, and why is mm -hmm. this different? Yeah. So like your typical uh, PNC policy is um, only covering your bricks and mortar. So it's not worried about your electronic data, like the PHI, PII stuff. So there's really not much coverage there. And if there is, it's like very small limits or it's excluded. So that's where the cyber policy comes in place. It fills all those gaps of like a PNC policy because it'll 
it'll uh, pay for replacing the computer software, which the PNC policies usually don't cover, um, the, the hardware, which is the computers and devices, and also the data, which is the most important part. So yeah, just the PNC policies do office them, but just very small limits, or most often, as we're seeing now, they're excluding them because of all the uh, cyber attacks happening. So the, the standalone cyber policies fill in the gaps where the coverage is needed. Yeah, and if you, if you don't mind me chiming in, yeah, actually, because healthcare historically is sitting in a unique position because what happened was your normal bot policy actually did traditionally cover those exposures. And then Target happened forever ago. And every insurance carrier said, oh, no, oh, no, we we can't afford this exposure on a normal general liability bill liability or a business owner's policy. So you may see even on your current policies, um, you know, places that are great at covering pharmacies, CNA and Hanover, Pharmacist Mutual. But when you get into the nitty gritty, like Ryan has said, because of the attacks, and also like Ryan said, HIPAA data is worth double what a normal business can provide. So you're getting targeted a lot more and they put even more exclusions. So most of your business owners policies or general liability policies, if they have a cyber endorsement, about 90% of the time, they actually exclude any claims about HIPAA. So that's a huge gap for you guys. And just to talk up Ryan and GEU some, Insurica has a healthcare practice and everybody else at Insurica in the construction practice or whatever, they were pretty happy with the cyber options that were currently available on the market. But massive problems if you do anything in healthcare, which was kind of one of the big pushes to why we started working on different programs that are kind of outside the norm of what some carriers, the exposure they don't want to pick up. No, that's good. Thank you. I know even back in my pharmacy, um, my very first pharmacy, when I, you know, was controlling the servers and everything, like I would have the firewall and, you know, you'd see all these hits, like you, you see all these like massive, like hits and different things. Do you guys help with giving advice on like how to set up your whole systems? Cause a lot of times these pharmacies, they get started and it's a software company or software vendor, you know, that they're selecting. That's like, Oh, buy this, you know, type of firewall or by this type of thing. And it's all just kind of generic recommendations, which maybe may or may not the best, but do you guys help them with any sort of audit to like, Hey, yeah. am I in a good spot now? Or do I need to make improvements? Yes, absolutely. So when they do purchase cyber policy, they have access to a risk management team as well. So they'll come in pre whatever. So like you get the policy and then like, all right, can we take a look at what we need or what we're lacking on? So they'll come and do that for free. Uh, no deductible to the insured. They'll come and take a deep dive into your system and be like, okay, well, we see vulnerables here. This is what you should do to fix those. This looks good. Keep doing this and stuff like that. So that's always it free to the insurer because the carriers want uh, no attacks, obviously. So they'll give it to you for free. Um, just deep dive into your system. But like, like I said, help them set it up or make improvements to where they need to prevent any of this from happening. Now, in, in terms of talking about like the fines that somebody gets or experiences when there is mm -hmm. a breach, like does every breach result in a fine? Like if I try to do everything right and I'm, I'm supposedly doing everything right, but a hacker is, was smarter than my systems. Like, am I always on the hook for these big fines or how, how do fines come into the play? Cause obviously there's an expense for just notifying 
patients and, right. you know, there's mailing costs and phone costs and stuff, but you know, those fines can get really scary large. So I just was mm -hmm. curious of like, at what point do they start fining? Uh, so actually I'll go back to the first uh, case study I went to. So if that small medical service provider would have contacted their insurance provider, they would have done a deep dive and seen that, okay, maybe nothing hasn't been accessed or looked at. So we don't need to notify anybody. So that's where I think the insurance policy comes in because they'll do the deep dive. They'll try and minimize your claims costs or investigation costs, fines and penalties as much as they possibly can. Because like the case study said, they didn't access or acknowledge their carrier. So they didn't know if anything had been accessed. So they're like, well, we might as well do it anyways, because if we don't, we're going to get even more fines. So that's where the um, the, the insurance policy is coming in, into play as well. They're, they're trying to save you as much money as possible, trying to get you the least amount of investigation fees and get you back up and running with a little financial impact. Awesome. Well, those were all the questions that I had come into me um, during the segment. Uh, I just want to tell you guys, I appreciate you guys spending some time. Um, you know what, this was all heavy on my mind as I was that person watching the news and watching the disruption and just thinking like, man, if that were to happen to our pharmacy, like, I don't like, I don't know if we could recover, you know, just the, the, the PR and the, the, the reputation hit is, is invaluable. You know, if, if, like you said, how many people are going to go back to somebody after they've been hit though, honestly, after they're hit and they're recovered, they're probably stronger and better off than everybody else, but that's not yeah. the way, you know, your human brain says. And so I don't know any pharmacy owners that could, that could have a major breach and be okay afterwards. And so I thought this just was a really important topic, uh, you know, as cryptocurrency and all of that starts to explode and these, you know, ransom people are, are really operating off the grid, so to speak, from that perspective. I just think pharmacy owners need to have all of the tools as they possibly can to help support and secure their pharmacy data. So thank you guys. Um, there is a website that you can go to to learn a little bit more about Insurica. Uh, it is go.insurica.com forward slash pharmacy. I will post it up in the comments uh, where this video is and at least, at least find out, uh, talk to them, see if it's something that you need, have them look at your current coverage. You know, maybe they can help decipher that, but just use them as a trusted resource and as that expert uh, to, to really help say, because you don't want to call them after you have a breach. <laughs> that is the wrong time to call them. So thank you to the entire team. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you have a more profitable pharmacy for free. One, join my free group at lisasrxgroup.com. Two, get the latest strategies at diversifyrx.com forward slash blog. Three, watch helpful videos at lisasyt.com. Four, hit that subscribe button and please be sure to leave us a five-star review so we can help more pharmacy owners and bring those insights back to you. Becoming a Pharmacy Badass is proud to be a part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.